It is the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Want to remind you, the Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Listen every day at 1.30 as Hanson Scotty announce another member of the Top 60 players in the state of Utah as they count you down to the start of the college football season. It's the Top 60 and 60 presented by Cypress Credit Union and Icon only here on the Zone Sports Network. We're going to talk to our friend uh, Scott Howard Cooper coming up here momentarily, so stay tuned for that. We'll get his thoughts, of course, on uh, what's going on in the NBA, but also, Gordon, he's got a new book out. Yes, he does. A book on Steve Kerr. Steve Kerr, A Life is the title of the book. So uh, we'll talk to him about that. We've got a lot to get to. In fact, let's get out to uh, the man himself, out to the Smart Rain special guest line we go. It's no mystery. Utah's in an extreme drought. That's why Smart Rain is the solution for any commercial property concerned about water consumption while managing irrigation smartly. Find out more at smartrain.net. Joining us now, the man himself, uh, Scott Howard Cooper, with us here on The Big Show. Scott, congratulations on the book. How are you? I'm great. Thank you very much. Well, let's let's in fact start out talking about the book. We can get to uh, some some other NBA kind of stuff. Get your final thoughts and that sort of thing. But uh, I guess start with uh, why did you decide to write this and what went into it. I know Steve has really an incredible story. Well, that's the main thing is that uh, I pitched it when I had my first phone conversation with the publishers. I said this is the story of a guy with a unique career but a fascinating life. I think that. When you look at everything that has happened to him off the court, not not just on the court, the things that people have known about, but off the court, it's incredible. Uh, somebody blew up a car, the family car, in his driveway. Uh, his dad interacted with Yasser Arafat and was an advisor to the White House. Uh, he's got a connection to uh, Kim Jong-un. Somebody recommended Steve Kirby, an emissary to North Korea. Uh, this goes on and on. That doesn't even get into what everybody knows about with Michael Jordan, Phil Jackson, Greg Popovich, Steph Curry, uh, Tim Duncan, on and on and on. It's such a layered life that I I thought it would be a real interesting look. Scott, I received your book really looking forward to to reading all of it. Uh, Just a little detail. Did they ever find out who assassinated Steve's dad over in Beirut? No. They just know that it was uh, there were two people involved. Uh, one apparently was the shooter, and then uh, it was a busy day on campus, and the two were dressed just like a lot of other college students. For people who don't know, his dad was the president of American University in Beirut, and it was in the hallway just outside of his office that uh, that he was assassinated, and they just kind of disappeared into the crowd on campus and then from there it was easy to get into the city and once they're in the city uh beirut in the in the 1980s you're not going to find anybody who didn't want to be found you know gordon uh often is the one asking these types of uh of questions scott is uh, with his feature writing background but you know that is a that is an incredibly um certainly tragic event but uh, but something that would have to change a person right i mean how do you think you know, his relationship and then the sudden, end, the sudden ending of that relationship with his dad shaped his career as not only a professional basketball player, but uh, a, an executive and a coach. Well, and as a person, yeah. most of all, I think it made him uh, much more appreciative of everything because uh, at the, up to that point, he really hadn't experienced loss. Uh, and, and to be honest, 
never has, even to this day. Uh, it made him realize how precious life is. Uh, he forever regretted at a at a family meeting at their home in Pacific Palisades, just outside of Los Angeles, when they sort of went around the room and, and both parents were there and all the kids and went around and said, you know, I'm thinking of taking this job. It's it's a dangerous situation, but give me your feedback. And Steve did not speak up and has re- always regretted it. He just sort of wanted to support his dad, but he genuinely was scared. And so I think it has taught him to uh, speak up when there's something on his mind and also to appreciate every day and to make the most of every day. And as corny as that sounds, that's something he had to live. Remember, he was just a, a college freshman living away from home for the first time in Tucson and, and hadn't made a lot of really strong connections. So was basically on his own there um, and sort of had to find his own way. And in, in his entire life, there's the the ongoing story arc of resiliency. You see it in basketball and in his personal life. And never has that been more obvious than in January of 1984 when he lost his father and had to keep pushing forward. I don't know if you got into it in the book, Scott, but I, I, I can't remember what I did yesterday, but I remember when this happened because of the profound nature of it in a negative way uh, when I saw uh, that certain fans, uh, college basketball fans, were chanting at Steve about his dad's death. I, I don't know if you got into that, but I remember it. I think you and I were probably in L.A. at that time. But I, I, that stands out to me, and I don't know whether he talked about that at all, but I thought that in that moment I thought, man, fans can just be out of their minds sometimes to bring that up in that setting of a basketball game. The lowest of the low, and yes, it it is in there. Uh, I delve into it quite a bit because it was one of those horrific moments that you can't imagine anybody going through. It happened uh, at Arizona State, and of course, Arizona's rival. So he was in Tempe at his senior season, the last time he would go through town, and it was about 12 or 15. It wasn't like it was the whole crowd, but it was early enough before warm-ups had gotten very far along that he was able to really hear it in a lot of chants of PLO, PLO, uh, even though the PLO was not, were not the people that, that targeted his father. Um, but, yeah, just an unbelievable moment when you think, how bad can you get? And Steve doesn't duck anything on this. He's on the court kind of going through warm-ups, and at a certain point, he just drops the ball and sits down on the bench and breaks down in tears. It was, he didn't try to hide how devastating it was that people would act like that. Now, of course, uh, Scott and our friend Scott Howard Cooper on with us. The book is Steve Kerr, A Life, the uh, definitive life story of an improbable NBA legend. Um, a, a big time, probably the biggest moment in his career, of course, is hitting that three in the NBA finals against the Utah Jazz. Is this a moment that kind of everything culminated in your book? Yeah, you know, <laughs> I wasn't sure about bringing that up. It's obviously <laughs> Yeah. You know, I, I realize who I'm, the market I'm talking to, and I don't know if people are like, well, that's interesting, or if it's more like, you know, can we just 
finally removed this <laughs> dagger from my back. <laughs> but, yeah, that was the moment of his playing career uh, in a lot of different ways. It was obviously the biggest shot he would ever make, and it, it helped deliver the championship. But it also was that strange culmination that you mentioned. That was kind of a crazy intersection moment of his entire life because uh, he he had been interested in going to Gonzaga and got a recruiting trip there. He was very lightly recruited coming out of high school. Nobody knew this guy at all. Gonzaga invites him up and throws him in, says, you know, we're going to throw you into a pickup game and see what you got. And it's 1980, um, 1983, and, you know, who's the opposing point guard that goes against him in a pickup game at Gonzaga? You know, John Stockton takes him apart, obviously, and Stockton is on the court for the Jazz that night. Uh, There were a lot of times when Steve would sort of imagine himself to be other players. It was a bit of a confidence boost for him. And he would be able to say, whose game did I wish I had, whose game did I uh, would I like to emulate? And he liked Jeff Hornacek. And Horny was on the court, of course, that night for the Jazz. And it's remarkable to have those. Uh, Judd Bushler was his teammate at Arizona, so that was a connection to his past. And then, of course, Michael Jordan and Phil Jackson are are there as sort of the indicators of how good, what kind of role Steve can have on a championship team. It was his whole career, his whole life in certain ways sort of come together. And then he hits that shot and forever believes that that sort of set up his future, that that got him into broadcasting, and broadcasting is what got him into into coaching and, and being a GM. I don't think that last part is correct. Uh, I think he would have gone on that route anyway, but I know that he has said many times he thinks that's the case. Scott, uh, what can you tell us about Steve that might surprise our listeners or or those who might want to read the book? Is there something about him that stands out as something you didn't expect? I mean, obviously, he's an intelligent guy. He seems to have a lot of integrity. Uh, he's uh, he, he knows the game of basketball like crazy. What about him is just kind of weird or different? Well, his entire path, I don't think there's one thing. But at the bottom line, none of this was supposed to happen all the way back to his parents were never supposed to meet his dad was supposed to be in a completely different part of the world and so it took that strange happening for his dad to end up being in the same place as his mom so his parents meet but they weren't supposed to meet he had no business going to the university of arizona any pac-10 school Uh, he's the first to know that he had no business playing in the nba for 15 years certainly he couldn't get on the court for the Orlando Magic. And then that offseason starts thinking, yeah, I can play with the Bulls. I can play with Michael Jordan and B.J. Armstrong and John Paxson. He, he had no business being with the Bulls, and he was never supposed to be the Warriors coach. He had accepted an offer from Phil Jackson to go coach the Knicks. And only after accepting that offer did he sort of turn his attention to the Warriors. So it's the whole set of circumstances. When we talk about his strange life and everything that's happened to him, you can go down point by point and show that none of this was ever supposed to happen. Scott, uh, while we have you, uh, get your thoughts on the NBA Finals. What do you think about the matchup? Any thoughts on Game 1? Just picking your brain. Well, I I feel bad for Milwaukee because when you're without 
not only your best player, but maybe anyone's best player, and then you get him back. And uh, if you, if Giannis is not healthy, I don't see any way that uh, Milwaukee can win that series, and that's too bad because certainly you would like to see everybody at, at full strength. And even even uh, Giannis playing, if he's not at full strength, that's a big hindrance because it would have been a tough enough matchup anyway. So that's I think, is the big thing to watch is obviously what is his health going to be. Uh, it, it's interesting. There's a lot of rooting interest out there for Chris Paul because when we talk about uh, all the young guys that have made an impact in these playoffs, we talk about Adentacumbo, who's still a young guy, and, and Devin Booker, and we just saw Trey Young uh, with Atlanta, and there's been some other guys. But it's the old guy, <laughs> Chris Paul, what, 36, and uh, playing so well. And I think that because it had been such a long road for him, he's one of the most popular guys in the league. There certainly feels like, I don't know you guys what your read is, but it feels like there's a fair amount of rooting interest for Chris. Yeah, I think so. Uh, the story, uh, Jake keeps saying over and over again that that is the, uh, is the most interesting story. It's the biggest story uh, the around these finals. But what do you make of the fact that there are two new teams? And, you know, Phoenix kind of bubbled up pretty quickly here. Does that, I mean, does this series capture your interest or because LeBron's not involved, uh, eh, not so much? Well, it captures my interest. Uh, I'll be a little bit curious to see the ratings because I don't know if it captures everybody's interest when, uh, when you talk about Milwaukee being a small market, especially if this turns into 2-0 or 3-0 pretty fast. The ratings could be could be really bad. But I'm I'm definitely interested. I think, Gordon, you, you hit it on the head that Phoenix not only has uh, became a good team, but became a good team really fast. That this is a when if you would have asked somebody two or three years ago, so what do you think about the Suns in the finals in 2021? There would have been a fair amount of laughter, right? Um, but Monty Williams is a terrific coach, deserves a lot of credit. The acquisition of Chris Paul is obviously a big difference, along with Devin Booker uh, continuing to develop year after year into one of the the young stars as well. So I'm interested. Uh, I don't know, but I'm I'm a basketball fan. I'm an NBA fan. I, I don't know what the casual fan who might be watching if there's a LeBron, as you mentioned, or some of the other big names. I'll be curious to see what what their interest level is. So, Scott, are you? Our listeners probably know that you've been a long time NBA writer and uh i don't mean to call you old or anything but you you know you're you're experienced you're a veteran uh are you are more books in the line for you You gonna keep pumping them out here or what um i'm open to it uh i i gotta say i really enjoyed this project Uh, i had done a couple other books before but nothing nothing at this level one was a kid's book another one was sort of a coffee table book so i don't really count those but uh, I went into this not sure what to expect when you get into a, a, a full-size book for the first time, and I loved it. Uh, I think a lot of it was because of the subject. Uh, it's such an entertaining story that I, I, I like spending time with him for a year and a half. Not actually spending time, but just that he was in my head, and, and kind of everywhere. every time I turned around at home, there was some reminder. Um so I hope that comes through in the pages. I hope that energy comes through and that, that people enjoy reading it as much as I enjoyed writing it. So if there is another opportunity, um, I would love that. I've got some one or two ideas in mind, and we're 
probably a week or two from beginning to explore those officially. Uh, William Morrow, the, the people who published this book, has got the the right of first refusal on my next project, and that window opens in a couple weeks. So uh, we'll see where it takes us. If, if something does happen, I'll be thrilled. Uh, if not, I'm excited about some other possibilities out there as well. Well, you've had a great writing career, and I'm glad you're writing books now. I'm looking forward to it and uh, encourage all our listeners to uh, pick up that book and to uh, give it a read. On on that note, Gordon, uh, Scott, what's the best way to get a, get a hold of it? I mean, is it the normal Amazon and those outlets, or what's the best way to go? Exactly. It's, it's Amazon. Uh, I know we're in a lot of the bookstores around the country. I don't know about every single market, so I can't speak to Salt Lake City in particular. But if you cannot find it in person, and uh, whether supporting one of your uh, independent bookstores or one of the major chains, certainly all the major sites uh, that normally carry books, I know, have this one as well. All right. The book is Steve Kerr, A Life, The Definitive Life Story of an Improbable NBA Legend. He is Scott Howard Cooper with us here on The Big Show. Scott, as always, thank you very much. My pleasure. Good to be with you. Thanks, Scott. Um, I, I find that stuff, like you did, Gordon, I, I mentioned that I kind of asked a question that your brain usually, you know, wraps your I, A fascinating story like Steve Kerr. Getting into depth in that, I mean, it's, it, he talked about his, his family life, but also those the way it was it culminated with the shot against the Jazz because he had competed against John Stockton and Jeff Hornacek. I mean, it, this sounds like a really good book to me. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, sometimes sports books, if they just deal with the sport, uh, they're, they're not as interesting. But when there is the, the hook of the sports, and then there's a terrific backstory, too, like there is with Steve Kerr, then that's that's good stuff. I do think he lucked into that Warriors job a little bit. <laughs> Beneficiary that, well, of timing I mean, there, yeah. And plus, uh, you, you we remember, and Scott mentioned this, that there was an offer on the table from the Knicks, yes. uh-huh. and the Warriors had to come in at the last minute and say, hey, you'd rather have this job. <laughs> and Steve Kerr was like, Yes, I would rather I have I that would. job. Yeah, yeah I'm uh-huh. going to say no to you, Phil, and uh, I'm going to go ahead and uh, go coach a team ready to win a title. Uh, great coaches benefit with great teams. That's just the way it is. It always has. But been. think about that: if Golden State had been a week later, yeah, he would have been next up to be canned by the Knicks. <laughs> True. Oh, I he'd, was be, about, he'd be back uh, calling games probably. And I was about to say, was that the job that Hornacek took? But it wasn't. They hired Derek Fisher, right? Yeah, that was. I'm. I'm pretty sure that was Phil's first hire as coach, (laughs) and then after that was obviously going to be a disaster. I think that's when Jeff got it. See, this is a case where you know destiny cannot be controlled; it just happens. So, why do you take that cliche so literally? I I ask this every time. He's on fire. Get the fire extinguisher. No, literally. He left it all out there on the floor. Goodness, get the man some clothes. <laughs> uh, but it does sound uh, like a really good book, so check it out. And the man of Rome. <laughs> get, get the man a towel, please. He left it all out on the floor. All right, big thanks to Scott Howard Cooper for jumping on. We'll have more next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.